Today's episode is episode 184, and today's episode is called The Doors of Perception. Today I'm going to talk about this book by Aldous Huxley. Aldous Huxley is a writer, an English writer and philosopher. An interesting life he's led. He's many books. He is also the author of Brave New World, which is one of the books that's influenced a lot of minds over the last century. That and 1984 by George Orwell. George Orwell, I think, was one of his students in one of his classes, Aldous Huxley. Uh, when I look into Aldous Huxley a bit more, he, I think he lived some of his life in Italy in the 1920s. Then he moved to France for a period. Then he moved to America. So he's, he's led a life where he's lived in a few different countries, spoke a few different languages too, because I think he spent a year teaching French from what I read. And today's episode is about his book, The Doors of Perception. I think The Doors of Perception was written at a period when he was taking more of an interest in mysticism. So this book describes his experience of taking mescaline, which is a psychedelic. And he describes the experience. And it's an interesting, an interesting read. It's a short book. It's only about 50 pages long, I think. And uh, so it's easily digestible. Well, it's not easily digestible, actually. That's the thing. It's a short book, but there's a lot in the book. There's a lot to try and make sense of. And it's not so easily digestible. Because it's a, he's describing an experience that isn't very common, I feel. So I'm just going to talk about some of the things that stood out to me, some of the things he said in this book talk around five main points I've drawn out here and yeah we'll just see where this goes so this book talks about perception and one of the things that he highlights in this book is how focused the intellectual is on words and how little focus there is in it in the education system on the human experience understanding our perception of life I talk quite a bit about assumptions on this podcast. One thing that stood out to me in this book, which hadn't really occurred to me, was he was describing how when he took mescaline, his perception fundamentally shifted. And what he noticed was his eyes were actually focusing in on things that his normal everyday experience, his eyes wouldn't focus in on. So he, he mentioned that he mentioned the presuppositions of the eyes actually change when he was on this drug, which for whatever reason that, that stood out to me a bit more because it felt more of a physical link than when I'm usually talking about it. I'm talking about assumptions in terms of ideas, which are influencing what you're focusing in on. So I talk about it in those terms, but for whatever reason, this book, it clicked better with me when he talked about the presuppositions of the eyes, the power, the impact that has, because, for example, in this book, he describes how fascinated he was, even with the treads on his pants. So his eyes were focusing in on things that in his normal everyday experience, your eyes would overlook these things. It ties back to, and he mentions in this book about how the brain and, ner and the nervous system work 
that they filter out everything that isn't of practical importance to the human being for survival needs. So on this experience, his brain wasn't filtering it out, out that I think that's how that's part of how the chemical works. I'm not going to describe that. I think it's in the book. It talks a little bit about that. I'm not a scientist, so that wasn't something I wanted to talk about so much, but what I wanted to talk about was the insights I got from this book as a human being. One of the main practical insights I got from this book was when he talked about how the artist sees the world. I think that was one of his primary motivations for taking the drug was to get more of a glimpse at what the artist could be, how he or she could be perceiving the world. And I think the big takeaway it took was that in the artist's world, he or she perceives things that aren't of survival importance. So they'll notice they'll notice things in the world. I think it even will even tie to color and color and what what like what are you actually focusing on in the material world i think that was actually with the presuppositions of the eyes that the presuppositions that's what it tells me a bit more is because it's the presuppositions of what you focus in on in material terms so he was talking about in the book how he focused in on the trades in his pants i think even he he was more aware of the chair in the room Things like that, that in your normal everyday experience, you'll overlook because your brain already has a map for that. It already has labeled all that stuff. It's not of practical utmost importance to focus in on these things. Whereas the artist in the artist world, those things are there, even though they're not of practical utilitarian need to focus in on these things. So I found it useful because for me growing up just even take it back to a normal everyday human being that you could be growing up in a world where we are all growing up in a world where we need to focus in on our survival needs practicalities utilitarian needs and you might feel a bit odd if you're looking at things that are superfluous to that that are extra to that that are not needed you might feel shamed for that that this could even be a manifestation of, of if you're engaging your imagination a lot, you're creating imaginary worlds and you're, you're putting a lot of importance on your felt experience of life, which isn't potentially a practical use. I think this book validates that those things are important too, that they, what I got from reading this book is that uh, his experience describes something that's closer to reality than day-to-day experience. He actually had a very interesting, I think I've written it down. He had an interesting uh, way of describing the sane mind. So he said, I had returned to that reassuring but profoundly unsatisfactory state known as being in one's right mind. That resonated with me, that there is a comfortability in day-to-day life, being well-adjusted to society. 
knowing your place in society, knowing how to act and behave, there's a reassurance in that you you can predict how your life is going to turn out to an extent. There's a reassurance there. But it's also profoundly unsatisfactory because to be in one's right mind doesn't oftentimes allow a lot of creative individuality. So if you're a poster boy or girl for being in one's right mind, that on the extreme end of the spectrum would look like somebody who does exactly what they're told by society. They never ever question things. They never venture outside the box. So they're reassured that they will get on in that society because they're obeying by the rules. But they'll be also left with an unsatisfactory, profoundly unsatisfactory state, I feel, because there's no meaning to your life when you live that way. For me, anyway, I suppose it depends on the, on the person. But if you know yourself, I know myself that I'd find no sense of meaning from living a life like that. There'd be no sense of wanting to get up in the morning and figure things out and discover the world. So that's the compromise. That's a sacrifice. Was the other end of the spectrum then he's describing in this book with his experience with mescaline is it feels closer to reality, feels more profound, meaningful, but there's also a chaos to it that I think he, ta- he talks a little bit about that in this book. He even ties it to the schizophrenic experience. He talked about, I think, somebody who, who had a wife who was schizophrenic and in her lucid moments, in her lucid moments, I think the husband would talk to her about something to do with the kids and she wouldn't be able to comprehend how he's focusing in on this stuff that isn't important because she had a bigger, clearer picture on reality. So he talked about how, I think he described how the schizophrenic can get trapped in that reality. And that is quite horrifying that you're trapped in an experience. So that's the other end of the spectrum, I feel like when you're closer to reality, but you also realize you don't control this perceptual experience of reality and that you could possibly get trapped in this experience where it's chaotic. Like there's a lot of information coming in at you. The whole purpose of the brain to filter out a lot of the information coming at us is so that we can actually live in the real world and orient ourselves. If we were receiving all the information coming at us, it would be overwhelming. It'd be beautiful, but it would also be really overwhelming and hard to live a normal everyday life. So thing in the book, he talked about the impracticality of being in this state all the time. Another point that comes up a lot in this book, he says, Yes, the, the, main, the point is to talk less, draw more. I think it was, who was that? He said, go it in middle life wrote, we talk far too much. We should talk less and draw more. And then the more I think about it, there is something futile, mediocre, even foppish. Foppish, I had to look up that word, trying to be fancy. That's what foppish means about speech. That's a quite a big theme of this book is, I think he, I think in this book, he also mentioned how we have students who study in the humanities, yet know nothing about 
what it is to be human afterwards because we focus so much on labeling things and concepts and he has some good uh he says some good stuff about this or interesting stuff about this he says verbalists are suspicious of the non-verbal rationalists fear the given non-rational fact intellectuals fear that what we perceive by the eye or in any other way is foreign to us as such and need not impress us deeply so what i got from that and what i witness in myself and other people is we're not used to just letting something deeply impact us and not having to make sense of it immediately in conceptual form i've noticed that that i didn't even know it was possible just to let just to let something seep in just to soak something in and not have the need to understand it i think it even ties to feeling what's going on for you just because that's what's your momentary experience that's what you're feeling in the moment that's what i struggle with quite a lot with my own brain is that i will have certain judgments about feeling certain ways and i often find myself caught up in it's not even conscious stories. It's just, I don't feel like I want to be feeling this way for an extended period of time. So I, I try and make sense of what's going on for me so that I can feel a different way. And it's a hard balance to strike because like when you're feeling down, you're feeling low, how much of that is healthy? And, and when does it go into the stage of where it's unhealthy now? I, well, that's part of the dilemma there. But I think what in this terms of this book, I suppose it's letting art, like if you're reading something, like reading this for me was impactful. I'm taking notes on it. I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on it. But at the same time, I realized that the experience he's describing here is not something I'm going to be able to summarize very easily either. The best I can do is to reflect on it and to get some takeaways from it so that it's just giving me things to think about, food for thought, but at the same time, just let it impact me to the extent that this guy is describing an experience that is closer to reality than everyday experience. And it is, for me, that is interesting another thing that you want to talk about is systematic reasoning so reasoning through our intellect so systematic reasoning is not something we could do without but neither if we are to remain sane can we possibly do without direct perception the more unsystematic the better of the inner and outer worlds in which we have been born into so that's again the He's talking about systematic reasoning. We focus a lot on that in the education system, in our day-to-day -day lives. We use that a lot. But what can be underused is the unsystematic experience of life, where we let our direct perception of life affect us. So I've, a, a good, uh, what I found a good ex experiment, a thought, not even a thought experience, but a good thing to play with. Just look around you and try and look at it in a way where you're not seeing the concept, you're seeing the thing in front of you. So 
that's uh i think i'm a little bit better able to do that today me trying that a few years ago i would have wondered what the hell is that even about because it, it was so ingrained in me to see the window to see the word over the actual object then looking at it and not feeling the need to conceptualize it at all not even saying that it's glass or there's timber on it either because what that will get you to do is to stop overlooking things automatically so when you look outside and you look at trees you won't just categorize them all as trees and just see not really see the detail in them or even the assumption that i think i mentioned this before that it's an object i can look at a tree very easily and look at it as an an object an object that grows rather than potentially something that has consciousness that is developing um i think it's just a good experiment of letting go of all assumptions anything you think has been proven to be concretely true just for a few moments i just do this for a few moments whenever i look around and notice as well how difficult it is to actually be in the moment and just observe things without having all these automatic labels in front of them just a good little experiment that will give you an insight into what he's talking about here about direct perception of life without concepts in the way it's an interesting description of enlightenment to be enlightened is to be aware of total reality and its imminent otherness to be aware of it and yet remain in a condition to survive as an animal to think and feel as a human being to resort wherever appropriate to systematic reasoning so that's a i find that's a that's a that's a that's a good uh description of enlightenment it's we live in a world where it's was easy to look at the religions it's easy to look at buddha and it's easy to think that enlightenment's the top of the mountain that we reach where it's just a zen state of mind I think his description there is probably closer to the reality of an enlightened human being where they're aware of the total reality, which he describes in this book, a reality that's all encompassing and overwhelming. And yet they're still living as a human being and they're still engaging their analytical mind wherever appropriate. So it's finding that balance between being in the moment and using your analytical mind to survive in the world and also to just build a better world uh, to have an impact on the world talk a little bit about disassociation from the body i think at one stage he noticed his arms moving and it was and it was a strange experience but he, he also described how he adapted to it quite easily which made me think that we adapt very easily to even things that will feel very different to how we experience life so when he talked about the dissociation from the body again it was quite a it actually was quite a humbling thing he said it was odd to feel that i was not the same as these arms and legs out there as this wholly objective trunk and neck and even head it was odd but one got used to it so he just talks about how he adapted it quite easily even though it was a very odd experience because it's completely different to being in a body and being associated with a body 
And anyhow, the body seemed perfectly well able to look after itself. In reality, of course, it always does look after itself. All that the conscious ego can do is formulate wishes, which are then carried out by forces, which it controls very little and understands not at all. So that's an interesting point that we can easily take it for granted that we're the ones moving this body around and we're giving orders. But at the same time, we don't know. I don't know. I know that the brain sends a signal to different parts of the body to do different certain things. But like, what's, what is that signal? Like, what's the, as a programmer, what's the code? What's the instructions in that signal that's sent from the brain to the, the arm? It's an interesting thing to think about that. That you can assume you are the body, you're moving the body, and you have full control over that until things happen. And then like, even if you break an arm, you can't really move your arm so well then. And then when it starts to heal, it starts to, you can start to move it again. Even the healing process, what's going on there? What's going on in the healing process? Again, something we're not in control of. And it's uh, interesting to think about because you're talking about things that are very fundamental to life. And I find them interesting to entertain. I think it's healthy to talk a little bit about it. Not to, not to, I think it's the balance again is between not being obsessed about it but not being completely ignorant of this either. It's the middle ground here where you're talking a little bit about it. You've got a bit of awareness around it and you start playing a little bit with it too and letting whatever comes up, comes up rather than trying to control how things are. Like when you read this too, another trap you can fall into is that you read this and you're like, oh, so I'm not my body. So that means now I know that I'm not my body. And you can tell yourself a story that you're, you're not your body. And none of that's useful because that's not an actual proper understanding. So I think that's the other thing that I find useful is that I don't understand something until I've actually internalized it. And it's actually how I see things, how I feel things. That's when I've really understood something up until that point. It's just stories. It's just nice ideas and stuff. I find people describing their experiences are good though. And, and even coming up with theories and stuff is good because it starts pointing you in new directions, gives you different ways of thinking about things that might lead you towards things you want to see and to experience. Another thing that was useful or interesting, he said that the eyes recovered an innocent childhood perception. So visual impressions are greatly intensified and the eyes recover some of the perceptual innocence of childhood when the sensium, I think that's just another word for senses, was not immediately and automatically subordinated to the concept. Interest in space is diminished and interest in time falls to zero. So I found that very interesting because that's actually closer to our natural default then. Because as children, that's when we weren't subordinated to the concept. So we, did, we weren't aware of concepts. We weren't using our, our intellectual mind hadn't come online. We weren't viewing the world through concepts. And he said that interest in space and is diminished and interest in time falls to zero. When you think about it, a child, a baby, they're not interested in time and space. They're not aware of the concepts. So you're getting closer. So he's describing the experience here as an adult. It's just he's taking something psychedelic that's um, giving him a different perception of life, which means that that perception of life is still within us. It's not just... It's not just for children. It's not just a childish way of looking at the world. It's 
I feel like, like I'm saying, like he's describing an experience that's closer to reality. That perception is closer to the reality. It's just finding a balance then between directly perceiving reality and using our intellects then to, to help us, help us in our lives rather than enslave us because the concept can very easily enslave us and entrap us. I think they're the main points I wanted to talk about today. It's, a, it's an interesting book. Like I said, it's about 55, 50, 55 pages long. It's not actually very digestible, but it gives you a lot of food for thought. I was reading this book and just relating it back to some of my own experiences in my own life. And I can, I can relate to certain aspects of this without ever have been taking a psychedelic. It's, and yeah, I could relate to this. I found it refreshing because it's, 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 I suppose it just shows you as well that you're not alone in, in, in your interests. I'm very interested in, in this, getting closer to what is perception, what influences it, how can you live in the moment more, how can you understand yourself more, how can you... yeah how can you understand life better like that's the type of questions i'd be interested in and then this type of book then helps me to get glimpses into an experience that i can relate to in some ways and i can't comprehend in other ways but the things i can't fully comprehend i find interesting fascinating to just reflect on and read about there was one other thing he mentioned that i could also relate to and for me it was about experiences I've gone through and just the growing up process in general. He said, the man who comes back through the door in the wall and the door in the wall he's talking about there is the psychedelic. He's talking about, he's talking about the psychedelic here, but that's just one door in the wall. In my experience, there's many doors in the wall and in the wall, going through the wall is actually, you're experiencing something that you've never experienced before. It's a very different experience how you experience everyday reality. And that's you going through the wall. So he said, the man who comes back through the door in the wall will never be quite the same as the man who went out. He will be wiser, but less cocksure, happier, but less satisfied, less self-satisfied, humbler in acknowledging his ignorance, yet better equipped to understand the relationship of words to things, of systematic reasoning to the unfathomable, unfathomable mystery, which he tries forever vainly to comprehend. So I could relate to that. I've had an experience where I felt like I was living in a different world and very, very different. I felt more of a direct perception in life. And the things he's saying there are things that I felt happened more to me as I realized that I don't really know what the hell is going on in this world. I don't really know who I am. And so I was more aware of my ignorance to things. Even, even the better educated I become, I realized that I'm educating myself through my systematic reasoning, which will never fully understand the unfathomable mystery of life even though it could forever try in vain I've so i could i could i could relate to that those types of things that I, I think even if you don't go through the wall i went through my own sort of wall i didn't know where the wall was but it's even part of growing up you you realize as you get older if you're if you're being genuine with your life, if you're being sincere with your life, you realize that you, you really don't know much at all. And 
it's uh, about it's about it's about being humble but being genuinely humble because you realize you, you can learn more that way and and i suppose you're you're well, there's always going to be an element of surprise and shock to life but you might be less shocked if you think you haven't at all figured out i think that's the other part of that there but that's it that's what i wanted to talk about today the doors of perception by aldous huxley i'd recommend just give it a read i don't think for me when it comes to psychedelics i have no real interest in taking drugs because because of what he was talking about in the book uh well not because of what he was talking about in the book because the reason i have no massive interest is because it's so you're playing with something and who knows like you might have a bad experience and you mightn't come back from i know those things can be rare but it's a, it's a chance that i don't feel the need to take so i wouldn't encourage taking the drug any drugs really but i would encourage just being open to these things I suppose I'm not gonna I'm not gonna advise either way. You know yourself. I found this an interesting book anyway, and they're the things I wanted to talk about today. Hope that's been of use and a benefit. I enjoy this book. So yeah, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please if you could give it a rating and a review, it really helps the podcast to grow. If you want to support the podcast, then you can buy me a coffee. It greatly helps the podcast to grow as well. It's all about growth. And that's it. So thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you on the next episode.